This is episode number 18 with Julie Henriquez, fiction writer and founder of Your Ladders. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hello and welcome back. If you have dreamt of writing a fiction book, of going from not just a writer, but to a published author, then you are going to love today's guest. Julie Henriquez is on the show today. She is a mystery book writer who has three different book series under three different aliases. And her most recent book, Pruning the Dead, which is out now, was featured in Women's World. In today's episode, Julie's going to share her best tips, strategies, and resources to help guide you from writer to published author. But I should mention, in addition to wearing the writer's hat, Julie is also the founder and CEO of Your Ladders, which is a company that is dedicated to empowering artists with the information that they need to build their careers. I've never met anyone more passionate about helping artists do their art. So let's meet Julie. And for all of the show notes, remember, go to thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero one eight. Let's get into the show. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you joining me today. I love your story, and I love the work that you're doing in the world. And um, for those people listening that are unfamiliar with you and what you do, could you take a minute to introduce us to Julie? Sure. Um, My name is Julie Henricus, and I've been working in the performing arts for over 30 years here in the Boston area, and I've been teaching arts administration for over 10. Um, But the other hat I wear is that I am a mystery writer, and I write under three names. So I've branded myself under J.H. Authors because they're all J.H. names, but I write under Julianne Holmes, J.A. Henricus, and most recently, Julia Henry. Yes, and today we're going to talk about how to go from being a writer to an author, and I know this is a dream for so many people, but let's dive into the word artist, because I know you are a passionate advocate of artists. To you, what is your definition? How do you define being an artist? What does that mean? You know, I am radically inclusive about who I include under the artist tent because I think that the creative energy that artists put into the world is critical and I never want to thwart somebody. So, uh, you know, I teach people who are on a very professional, going to be on Broadway someday track to other folks who are making devised works to people who end up in community theater because it becomes an avocation rather than a vocation. And I think All of those paths are important and are equally um, 
equally critical to the to the mass. So an artist is somebody who claims their space and says, this is the work that I do that gives me passion. Um, this is the work that I do that I, it makes me be brave, not fearless, but brave. And this is the work that I do to contribute to the world. And it is in the creative uh, endeavors that artists live. That's beautiful. I really love that so much. Why do you think people have such resistance to claiming the space as an artist? I was actually reading a blog post that you wrote where when you were kind of coming into your own of really wanting to own the fact that you were in you were a writer, you hadn't yet published, and you were brave enough to put the word writer on your business card. I I feel that like I really get that resistance and to you know to say like oh I'm a writer I'm an artist like there's a lot of resistance why why do you think that is well, there are a couple of schools of thought. If you read Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art or Turning Pro or The Artist's Journey, he talks about resistance as a physical force. And so that when you're in a creative space, there's an actual force that a push is pushing against you, making you doubt yourself, stopping you from work, leading you to procrastination. And I actually, uh, I, I, his work is amazing. And I think about that a lot. I also think here in the United States, and I know you have uh, listeners from all over the world. But here in the United States, we don't value the arts. We don't consider artists as people who work. We think that because artists have joy in their work, they shouldn't get paid. So we don't fund the arts. We don't support the arts. We don't value the work that artists do. So in a society that values um, transactional goodness, right? Like the more money you make, that mm. makes you successful. It's hard to say I'm going to sit at my keyboard for two hours every day for my entire life because it feeds my soul and it makes me a better human being. Not everyone understands that. So I think that's part of it as well. And it's also um, when you're first starting out, and I know this was part of my writer's journey and, and that moment that you're talking about, you have this, who am I to say that I am this person? Mm. Who am I? And you need to, at some point in your life, say, I'm me and I'm going to say it. That's so great. Oh, my God. That really touched me. Um, I couldn't agree with you more on all of it. And it made me think, too, you know, you had had we, we've connected through a women's group, a business group coaching group and we just hit it off immediately and I remember we were talking and you're like you know what do you do and I told you I'd published a book and I written some songs and you know I write poetry sometimes or whatever and you're like oh you're an artist and I said no no Julie I'm not an artist <laughs> I'm a lifestyle coach you're like no you're an artist and it was just I could really feel that resistance of claiming a space of calling myself an artist. And so I've really been sitting with that since you said that to me. And I think it's actually a gift. So I think to anyone listening who has that creative passion, whether you paint, whether you do theater, whether you're an actor, whether you write, whether you sing, whether you dance, whether you like to doodle for fun. I mean, right? I mean, it can be, you right. are You're an artist. So you knit, you, you design right. sets, you, you know, you throw pots, uh, you garden. I mean, there's, there's, you know, very many different uh, levels, but, but claim your space. You are an artist. Oh, I love that you added all those other categories in, and I'm sure there's so many more that we left out. But I think as you're listening to what Julie's saying, really think about, does 
do you feel resistance right now when she's talking about that? Or does me sharing my story or her story about feeling resistance about putting the word writer on a business card resonate with you? If it does, it's because you are an artist and it's okay to claim that space. And we're going to go into that deeper now, especially today is really the focus on writing, um, because that is such a passion for so many people. They have a dream of putting a book out there and that dream never is realized. And that's really heartbreaking. That thought is really heartbreaking to me and I'm sure to you, Julie. So let's give them some tools today to go from sure. Yeah. Writer to, to, to author. So, um, yeah. What, what's the first step? What, what, where does somebody start? So the first step in any artistic pursuit is to get better at the artistry. Any artistic pursuit is an apprenticeship, right? It's not, you're, it's a lifelong apprenticeship. You're always going to get better. So take classes. Um, join, when I, I'm a mystery writer, so I joined Sisters in Crime, which is an amazing uh, national organization that supports writers and is focused, uh, was the the purpose of it was to focus on women writers, but, you know, it also, Sisters and Misters are both part of it now. Um, Mystery Writers of America, other, whatever you do, there's a group out there that will, you'll find folks who are doing the same thing. Go to meetings, go to uh, take a class, become better at what you're doing. I'll never forget when I was first starting, I was taking a class on writing characters and I was sitting down And this person sat down next to me. I looked over and it was a multi-published best-selling author. And I said, why are you here? If you don't mind me asking, (laughs) because like you're who I aspire to be. And she said, I always learn something. You're going to get stuck at some point and I'm going to remember something I took from this workshop and I'm going to be able to use it and it's going to make me a better writer. So whatever you do, you can always be better and you need to be open to learning and to really figuring it out. Um, And then there's a second track where you need to understand where how to be published so being a writer is one set of skills getting published is a second set of skills and they don't necessarily cross over easily you need Mm. to be purposeful about both but you know the first thing is is finding people who and if you find a writer's group find people who support you in what you're writing who don't try to rewrite your stuff to sound like them Mm. but who bother to hear your voice and help you be a better writer that way. And I don't belong to a writer's group because I have found that difficult. Mm -hmm. I do have a a group of women I blog with, the Wicked Authors, and we support each other in a bunch of different ways. Um, But the first thing is really to, to understand that this is a journey and that you're first draft of your novel is going to be terrible, Mm. terrible. And that's okay. But unless you write that first draft, you can't edit it and make it better. So you really need to have the courage to start. Yeah. And I really loved when you said the artistic pursuit is an apprenticeship. Like that's really powerful. That's so powerful. So, you know, going out there and making your craft the best it can be and, um, you know, finding the groups or the books or whatever support system. Now, we're talking specifically about fiction writing today because Julie is a fiction writer. Um, But I'm curious, Julie, based on your experience, is what you're saying also applicable to nonfiction writers too, in your opinion? 
Of course. I mean, because you uh, nonfiction writers still have to learn how to craft a proposal, have to craft the book. I mean, there's still writing involved <laughs> and writing is more than understanding grammar. Uh, it's understanding how to tell the narrative story that you want to tell, whether it's a fiction or a nonfiction story, and how to complete it for the reader so that they're on the journey with you and they're not frustrated that they feel that, that you keep them in the process and you take them on the journey you want to take them with. So it's the same the same things. I mean, it's a little bit different. I think that fiction uh, is easier in some ways mm. because you make it up. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's a little more creative because I publish nonfiction. So right. there's some fun in the creativity of the fiction writing. Yeah, there's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot to keep in your brain as you're crafting a novel, but uh, it's a ton of fun to make stuff up. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Now, you've done eight of these. So maybe what would be helpful, because I think it's really, it is useful to understand a writer's process. So can you take us into your process? So at some point you said, you know what? No, I'm a writer. I'm putting it on this business card. I'm going to a writer's conference and I'm showing up as a writer. So take right. us, so I'm just thinking of somebody out there who's sitting there thinking, yes, that's me. I, I, I want to be that person. I want to claim that space. Well, when I talked about going to a conference, it was because I'd taken this great um, mystery writing class uh, in the Extension School at Harvard. And the woman who led the class, one of her pieces of advice was start going to conferences, start meeting other writers, start start being in that world so you understand the jargon and you can start pitching your work and you, you understand the business side. And so doing that was great. And at the first conferences I went to, I'd go to every panel, I would take notes, I'd order the tapes and things. And now I still go to conferences, but it's more to um, meet my other fellow writers and to network and maybe talk to my agent or whatever else it is. But throwing yourself out there is important. But the writing itself, that's the author part. The writing itself, uh, I think the best thing I can first tell somebody is that there's no one way to do it. So Mm -hmm. you're going to read a million different pieces of advice that say, do this and do that. And unless you do this, you're not really right or whatever. And just ignore them all. Mm -hmm. What you do when you're a writer is you find your process. And so I could tell you about my process, which is actually pretty intense. Um, Again, I write mysteries and I write series mysteries. So the book I'm working on now will be my eighth published novel, and it will be out in 2020. It's the third book in a series that actually just debuted in January. And when I'm writing um, my book, I get a pack of index cards, and I sit down, and I have index cards, I have different color pens, I have post-its, and I have a big pad of paper. And on the paper, I start telling myself the basic story. Um, and what that means is I have created this world in my head, but you need the inciting incident. I need a reason. I need the thing that disrupts the community, the normal every day that is the reason for the book. And then you'd go back a little bit and you ex- give, a, give a little bit of background story and then you move forward. So an inciting incident typically in a murder mystery is the murder um, but or the crime, whatever it is. But you need to go back a little bit so you raise the stakes, you get people all set up, but not so far that people get bored. And... I just keep asking myself, uh, and my friend Barbara Ross, who's a brilliant writer, uh, gave me this piece of advice, and then what? And then what? 
And then what? And so I just basically outline a story and then what? And then what? And take each of those lines and write each one on an index card. And that's a scene. And then I'll have a couple of subplots or other stories that I need to wrap up. Or when you're, when you have a contract for three books, you'll tell a story that arcs over all three books. So what do I need to do to that? And, and I write those scenes on cards and then I sit there and I shuffle the cards <laughs> until it makes story sense as a story. And there's a transition from every scene. Um, my, post-its come in that I put them in so that there are plot twists. So every, say there are 60 scenes, every 15 scenes, something needs to happen that surprises the reader. So mm-hmm. someone gets arrested, another person dies, uh, you know, whatever, the magical unicorn is found, whatever it is, um, you need to keep driving the narrative until the very end. And, you know, about four scenes from the end, you wrap it up. And then those last four scenes of the denouement, they're the wrap up, maybe, you know, tease the next book in the series, but you are writing, when you're writing mystery fiction or romance fiction or most genre fiction, you're writing um, in sort of the dramatic structure like a play. You need to tell the, uh, the reader a story that keeps them involved and keeps them wanting to turn the pages. And you have a contract with your reader that you're going to tell them a story and give them enough clues that they're going to go along with you. And hopefully you're going to trick them because you've learned enough about your craft and you keep learning about it. So at the end, they're going to be fooled, but then they're going to be able to go back and see where you did it. So you're, you're, you're working with your reader as well, but that's how I do it. Um, I plot everything out before I start. I have friends who completely write by the seat of their pants. They, I just can't keep that all in my brain. So they will sit down and they'll say, this is what's going to happen. And then they keep driving and then they go back as they're editing and add scenes and do things and stuff. And between Um, having had a day job that was very demanding, so only writing nights and weekends. So I needed to know what I was going to write that day. I couldn't keep it all in my brain. And also I just can't keep it all in my brain. The, what, the way I do it helps me know what my goals are for writing that scene. Uh, and then I can go back and sort of add more texture to it. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, I think it is important to reinforce what you just said, which is your process needs to be your own and what works for you. Absolutely. And, and I really do appreciate that you mentioned that you had a demanding demanding day job. So this was happening on nights and weekends. And I think for most people, you know, listening, especially if they haven't claimed the space, that means, you know, this isn't their vocation yet, even if maybe they want it to be. So they're not dedicated to writing all day long. So... What's a realistic amount of time? And I know it's going to differ from person to person because just like you said, yours is very structured and outlined. So you you have a roadmap. You spend a lot of time on your roadmap before you start writing versus other people. But, you know, should it be a daily practice? Or again, is this really up to the individual? Like what's a good way to approach approach it in terms of starting and getting a book done? You know, what's, what's realistic? 
So I, um, I have come to realize I still, um, even though I'm published and everything, I still am juggling two or three jobs, right. To make this all work because, um, that's part of the path of being an artist and being a writer. But, um, on writing by Stephen King is a fabulous writing book. And he talks about a daily practice. And I have come to believe that, um, uh, you know, um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about sitting down so the muse can find you every day. Stephen Pressfield talks about this, that you need to commit to a daily practice. So right now, part of my daily practice is putting those scene cards into a fabulous program I use called Scrivener, which is a great writer's tool. Um, and that counts, right? I mean, if so whatever, if you have a word count, I have friends who I'm going to write a thousand words a day, or I'm going to write 500 words a day, or a time count. I'm going to spend an hour writing every day. I can only spend a half hour and then I'm going to spend five hours on Sundays because that's how my week works. And sometimes writing is, um, a friend of mine, Edith Maxwell, talks about plotting walks, that she, part of her writing can be, if she's stuck, she puts on her sneakers and goes out and takes a long walk and thinks about the novel. So thinking is also writing. Writing is putting words into a computer or on a piece of paper, but it's also just living and being consumed with it. And I will tell you what, Michelle, that's um, the hardest thing to commit to doing daily, but it gives me such joy that it's, even though there's pressure to figuring out how I want this next book to come and, you know, I've got this idea of this road race and how do I make it all work and all that, that just thinking about my book will calm me down enough to go to sleep. Mm, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's part of allowing the process. There's, there's craft to it and there are things you learn, but there's another part that's the magic of writing, right? I write words. I don't, I'll read them later and I have no idea where they came from. Mm. And that you, the only way you can get there is if you sit down. And so my goal in 2019 has been to make it a daily practice. Mm. You know, it's interesting because I had on Lisa Genova, the author of Still Alice, and she referenced On Writing by Stephen King as one of the books that she read to learn how to become a great writer. And this idea of a daily practice, too, keeps coming back. And I think there's something really powerful about that because it's saying, I'm owning the space, I'm making a commitment to my craft, and I'm going to allow these words to unfold. And she also talked about, and I can relate to this, too, going back to writing and going, where, where did those words come from? So anyone listening, again, if you feel drawn to write, it is because it is a part of your soul's path. That's what I believe. It is a part of why you're here and you need to allow yourself to express that creative part of you and allow that to be. Now, Julie, we talked about the fact that we're going to talk about becoming from writer to author, though. So I think a lot of people finish work. I know a woman who has four completed books in her nightstand. Completed. She's got four kids. She wrote them at night doing nothing with them. I'm like, oh my gosh, show them to, you know, do self-publish them, do something. So let's help people go from writer to author and not be afraid. And I know the vulnerability. It's vulnerability of claiming to be an artist, the vulnerability of claiming to be the writer, vulnerability of showing your written words to somebody else. Yeah. So let's get into that part. 
Well, there's so many things to unpack there. And I first, let me say, when I first, uh, you know, late 1990s, I think early 2000s, I probably late 1990s, I started to say aloud that I wanted to be a writer. So I started taking classes at Grub Street, which is a fabulous place here in Boston. And I was in a class um, and I it was writing short stories. Uh, and uh, one of the women, my stories were not good. They were just boring. And one of the women in the class, we during breaks, we talked to each other and we ended up, we'd have dinner together. We'd go for a drink afterwards. And she said, Julie, every time we're talking, you're telling me about a mystery that you're reading. And, but your story isn't a mystery. And so why aren't you writing a mystery? And I think it was my own prejudice against the genre of saying, oh, I'm a mystery writer because, you know, um, literary fiction looks down on genre writing and I was doing it too. So in that story, I dropped a body and the story became much better. I mean, it was what it is what I read. I loved Agatha Christie as a kid. So I also want to encourage people, whatever you write is what you write. Don't let any anybody make you feel badly for writing, you know, a fantasy horror story with romance, right? If that's what you write, man, that's what you write. And I'm so glad that you write it because the world needs your writing. So I, from somebody who's a genre writer, I just want to sort of be uh, radically inclusive about what is included in writing. And there's a lot of different things. Uh, being, going from being a writer to being an author, to being published, what I it took me a long time to understand is that writing that first draft, uh, Hallie Efron, who's a wonderful writer, what told me once that it's like putting a log through a meat grinder. It's just, and it never gets easier. It's just getting those words out is so hard. But then you get to fix the words, and that's actually where the writing comes in is you'll, uh, and for me, because I plot, I almost feel like that first draft isn't as difficult because I've fought with those index cards for so long, but you need to read, redo and fix your words and edit them and, and make them as good as you want. And then you decide to get them out into the world. So you might go to an editor or you might be looking for an agent. And the thing about both of those groups of folks are, or a small press, whatever path you're taking, I'm traditionally published, so I'm more familiar with that path. But if an agent doesn't think they can sell your book... It doesn't mean you're not a good writer. It means that they can't sell your book. So as you're getting uh, rejected or you feel like you're not finding your place, uh, there are two paths to take. One is that you need to work on the book. The other one is that you just haven't met the right person for your book. And so you need to sort of keep going on faith and keep traversing the world. Uh, the world, as you've got that first book done, we'll start writing the next book. <laughs> like don't don't stop because you are my eighth book is better than my first book. You know, every book I write is better because I'm a better writer. Uh, I'm proud of every single book, but that's just a fact. Um, so it's you're going to be looking for people who can do with your work what you want to have done. And that's a tricky thing too. I mean, I've gotten some lovely, lovely rejection letters from agents and editors over the years because they'll say it's good writing. I just don't know anyone. You know, I don't have the connections or this isn't my type of fiction, whatever. And 
say thank you. This is part of the being uh, uh, an author is say thank you. You never know who people know or how else they can help you. Or if you see them at a conference, don't be a jackass about these things. Um, but if you believe in your work, keep going and keep moving and keep writing uh, and realize that that becoming a published author is its own journey that doesn't invalidate your writing. It just is, it's another journey you need to take as a human being. Well, I think a lot of people get discouraged because of the rejections. But Absolutely. before we even get there, actually, I think a lot of people are also confused about how do I find an agent? How do I even start that process? There are many good ways of finding an agent, uh, and none of them are easy. So one is to go to conferences where you can pitch agents and editors and pitch people. Okay, so but pitch- wait, tell us how you find those conferences. I'm going to make you go specific here because this yeah. is where I think people don't go from writer to author because they really just need more counsel on how to do this. So there's, um, for instance, if you're in the Boston or New England area, um, Grub Street has a conference in April called the Muse in the Marketplace. And that's for all different types of writers. And they have agents who attend and you can pitch. If you're in the mystery field, there's a bunch of different uh, mystery conferences. Uh, the New England Crime Bake is one that takes place in New, uh, New England. I was uh, on that committee for several years. Um, and they have agents and editors there. And you can pitch your work. Uh, Thriller Fest has agents and editors there. Uh, romance writers have have conferences. So just as you can look up, you can use the Google machine, you can look up different conferences. And if they have uh, um, an agent component or agent editors where you can pitch, you should consider going to them. There's also something called Pitch Fest. Uh, and I don't know as much about it, except that it's extraordinarily um good way for writers to get in and learn how to pitch their work and have opportunities to pitch it. So pitching is one avenue. Um, and again, conferences, any, any time you can do things, that's a, that's a, a real pitch. Mm-hmm. And you know, Julie, what do you need for that? What, what are you pitching? Do you have your, your book done or do you have a pitch letter or what, what do you have? So when you pitch a lot, when you, you can query uh, um, agents and send them uh, unsolicited manuscripts. And that's one way to go, but you tend to get, unless you can say, we met at this conference, another good reason to go to conferences, um, that it may just get in what's called a slush pile and maybe they'll get to it. So it's not the best way to do it. Uh, when you pitch, usually the conferences will have the rules of the road and it might be you have um, three minutes or you have five minutes. And so typically what a pitch is, is your hook. You're not telling people the story like, and then she gets off the trolley and she goes, you know, that's not what you're doing. You're saying I have a 65,000 word, um, uh, mystery about a housewife turned CIA spy. And then you just offer a couple of other things. Jane Smith used to be a librarian and then she got married and had four kids and got bored. So she used her librarian skills to become a super spy. And now her husband thinks she's going um, on a spa weekend and she's she's an international spy, whatever. (laughs) And um, and. So the, the goal is to have the agent or the editor ask you for more information. 
and ask you to send you uh, send them whatever they want. So some will say, I want the whole manuscript. Some will say, I want 15 pages, whatever. So you do need to have a query letter and things ready to go. You t- the, oftentimes they'll say, is it done? And if you can say yes, that's great. And I, I have something else to say about that in a second. But you, they'll also say, is it part of a series? You know, is it one? And you can say it's a standalone or, no, well, it could be part of a series. Depends on what you're writing. Um, but you need to, you just are ready to go. Those are planned pitches. But I'll tell you what, you go to these conferences and you sit down and a writer comes and sits with you and says, what's your book about? You, t- you do a pitch, you give them that two sentence, this is what it is, because you never know who you're talking to, right? You mm-hmm. never know what it's opportunities true. are going to be there. Who, you know, you go to a reading for somebody. This is another way you, you get yourself on the community. You go to a reading, you sit down, you turn to the left, you're making small talk to somebody. I know somebody that this happened to. It was the agent of the author, <laughs> Ship to Sea, and he said, send me your stuff. Wow, that's <laughs> I mean, great. So you you just always need to be ready to talk about your story. You need to care about your story. There's This is terrifying. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I've gotten better over at it over time. Um, but it's terrifying because this is your work. But this is part of the business is you need to get people engaged and find out what they're interested in and see how you can hook them with their interests. And that's important too. Yeah, that's so helpful. So basically there's get out there, network. You can go and send the pitch letter, like you said, you know, source the agents that cover the kinds of books. And, you know, one thing that I have, um, I know in the nonfiction world, and it's probably the same as people think they're agents in the books, right? Is that another way to say, oh, "Oh, I love this series. And then you notice, okay, well, this author who I adore used this agent just as a way to, I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to get selected, but it's a way to maybe find an agent that, you know, would take the kind of work that you are writing. Right. And and if you're writing a cold query letter, why wouldn't you say, I'm a tremendous admirer uh, of this person's um, work and, and, you know, admire the way you've helped her craft her career? I mean, it's a fine line between blowing smoke at somebody and, and flattering them. But, you, you know, why wouldn't you say, mm-hmm. boy, you've done such a great job there. I would love to work with you. Yeah, of course. No, that makes sense. I think, right, you'd be as authentic and heartfelt as possible when connecting with these people. Um, So all of that is great. So any other steps, though? So then what is it? Ideally, you get the agent? Is that? And then where does it go? Well, so, uh, you know, let me tell you my background, my story, which is a little bit different. And it is, you know, luck is opportunity and hard work um, meeting up. Mm -hmm. I believe that. (laughs) So I truly believe that. I know that. So um, there was an agent who wrote the New England, the president of the New England chapter of Sisters in Crime, because he was looking for cozy authors. Now, cozy is a subgenre of traditional mysteries. It's um, it's like Jessica Fletcher kind of books, you know, and he wanted to get more. They were very hot and he wanted to get more authors. And he just decided um, to write to her. And instead of her saying, OK, I've got these three friends, she sent it out to the whole 
community and said, this agent is looking for folks. So a bunch of us reached out to him and I had a lovely conversation with him, but he wasn't interested in anything that I proposed and, um, which is fine. And, uh, I went to crime bake and my friend Edith had signed with him and she said, we were at a banquet and she said, you have to sit next to John. He needs to get to know you because you're, when your time comes, he needs to know who you are. And so I did that. And, you know, I was, because of the rest of my life, able to make small talk and and have a pleasant conversation with him. And then he had an editor reach out to him and she had an idea of like a fully formed idea for a series, a three book deal. And she needed an author to write it. And that, this happens in the, especially I think in genre fiction more than, well, certainly more than literary fiction, where somebody will have, an editor has an idea and hires, it's a right for hire. And so um, this opportunity came up and somebody else who had signed with the same agent said, well, Julie Henricus has written two books. She just, she's not published, but she can write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, oh, we, I remember her. She's great. Called me. We worked on a proposal. And that's how I got my first series, the Clock Shop series. I so love that, Julie. That was, <laughs> no, I love that. That's putting, a great story. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's unexpected. That's also um, friends looking out for you. But that's why you join these groups and you go to conferences and you meet people. Um, but that's also being willing to say my dream was to be a published author with my name on it. But this other avenue came up and how blessed am I that I had that opportunity. Uh, And I also had done a vision board years ago with Julianne Holmes and Berkeley um, Press, Berkeley Prime Crime uh, on the vision board and, and actually it was Berkeley who was looking for the writer, and I chose Julianne Holmes. No, I love so that. Oh, my goodness. I love that. So watch your vision boards, my friends. Because yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Go listen to the manifesting podcast I did. We get into that. But yeah. yes, it yeah. works. It, I love that you just shared that. That's amazing. Yeah. What a good no, story. Very amazing. Very amazing. Yeah. So now, you know, and then as he said to me, and I think that this is another thing that uh, folks can, I hope, you know, it gives folks courage. Um, He said, Julie, now that you're published, the next step is to keep you published. And he said, in some ways, that second step is harder than the first. And so that's true, right? I mean, I loved writing my clock shop series. I got the three book deal. And then uh, uh, Berkeley was going through a whole bunch of turmoil and they were just changing over their cozy line. And then I had a second series, have a second series. And the second book in that series is coming out in April with a wonderful small press called Midnight Inc. And Midnight Inc. has just announced that in September they're going out of business. Mm. So... You know, just because I've had these wonderful opportunities doesn't mean that the hustle stops or that I don't have to keep planning strategically three steps ahead, both in becoming a better writer, but also staying published and whatever that looks like. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's important. It's 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 part of the artist's journey, right? It's, this is part Absolutely. of the writer's life. This is... You know, it's not that it's one book and done and then you get the series and then you don't know what's going to happen with these, especially some of the small publishers are going out of business, right? They're, they're not. Right. Or, 
or the big publishers who get bought by a yeah. bigger publisher right. and the bigger publisher, you know, doesn't want to do the seven ninety nine um, paperbacks yeah. anymore. And, um, you know, but it's the same in any path. Michelle, I mean, I, we know actors. I know actors who have been on Broadway and then don't work for two years. I mean, it's, uh, you know, playwrights who have a really hot play and then they can't get anything with the same traction for several years. I mean, when you sign on to this, you are signing on to a roller coaster. You're not signing on to a straight ladder. You're, rise, you're, you're strapping yourself in for a ride and you've got to be prepared for the ride because the ride is the joy. The destination is great. And I, I weep every time I hold one Aww. of my new books. Like when I get the box of books from the publisher, I weep every single time. It is so freaking cool. But the joy of it is the writing. The mm. joy of it is the creating. Well, I actually love that you just said that because I have a question. It's I wouldn't say it's a loaded question, but it's one that maybe people are going to have. So if you feel like writing is a part of you. Mm-hmm. and you want to become an author, but you can't, at what point do you sort of, it's the artist's journey and the creation because it's just something you need to put out in the world. Like you're compelled to put these stories out. But then there's the dance of like, maybe it doesn't happen the traditional way. There's definitely a time, and I have many friends who um, go through this, where if you can't find a home for your book, um, you decide to go the self-published route or go with a small press. So you just need to be mindful about every decision you make about your career. And I think that that's what I talk to everybody about is as long as you know what you're doing or you're, you're signed on to what you're doing, there's no wrong decision here. There are people who make a lot of money self-publishing. Um, but when you do that, you are truly your own small business. So you are responsible for the cover. You're responsible for the editing. You're responsible for the jacket copy. You're responsible for the 1,700 other steps, and you need to do them well. And so you do need to hire somebody to help you with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're editing yourself, when you're when on my journey, I finish the book, I send it to my editor, he sends it back, I make a few tweaks, then it goes to the copy editor, and then we do another dance, and then you know, I send it back to them, and then the proofs come in. So I have like three steps to make changes. And sometimes the editor will say, I love this book, you've got to get rid of this character. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't when you're doing this, um, somebody may even buy your book and say, I loved it. We have to change it. That's part of the the process. So you need, if you're self-publishing, you need to have somebody who's helping you with those um, decisions that you're too close to make. Just that first book, make sure it's ready to go out in the world because you never, ever will have that chance to redo it. Mm -hmm. And you need to also... the best piece of advice I got when my first book was out, um, Just Killing Time, is um, Hank Philippi Ryan said to me, Julie, enjoy every single moment of this journey. Mm. This is the first, this is the only time you're going to be a newly published author. Aww. And while it's thrilling every time, enjoy every single part of this journey. And I took that to heart. I really did. I love it. Thank you, Julie. Um, so, 
we've talked about, you've mentioned a couple books, but is there a resource that you could leave the listeners with, um, a book on the writing craft or any other resources that would be beneficial? Oh, there are a couple. Um, Paula Munier, M-U-N-I-E-R, a wonderful writer in her own right, but she wrote a book called Plot Perfect, which I found invaluable. Um uh, it's about plotting. So if you're interested in that process, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, if you're a mystery writer, Hallie Efron has a wonderful book on writing a mystery. Uh, Stephen King's book is great. Annie Lamott's Bird by Bird is fabulous. Um, and I think that those and and whatever area you want to write in, start reading blogs and authors in that field and start sort of immersing yourself in who's doing what so that you can learn. And also the best thing to do is to read in the genre that you write in so that you can say, it's hard to enjoy for me to enjoy mysteries as much anymore because I pick them apart in my brain. Um, But I read in the genre so that I understand how to be a better writer. And so read up, like find somebody you aspire to be, you know, uh, Louise Penny would be in my world and uh, read Louise Penny or Elizabeth George and say, this is what, how, how do they do this and learn from them? So keep, be a good reader too, because to be a great writer, you need to be a big reader. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I think, you know, I always say a book can be, could, can be your mentor doesn't have to be a person. And so by reading those books, they are in essence mentoring you in the process. So that's great. Um, So Julie, before we wrap up, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips? So start, you know, don't wait. (laughs) Uh, And uh, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Just sit. And if the, all you can do is 15 minutes a day, then write for 15 minutes a day. Um, find your support team. So as I said, I blog with um, five women, the wicked authors, and I would not, um, this journey would be so much harder without those amazing women. And if you read our blog, you'll see what that is. So find your team um, who will give you tough love when you need it to, but who also you can sort of have that nervous breakdown and they understand your world and they're not trying to fix it. They're just like, oh, that really sucks. (laughs) Um, So find that. And, uh, you know, dream, dream. Like what's, what's the goal? What's the big dream? And it's incremental. Like you're not going to get that first book. I don't think you want the first book to be the multi-million dollar bestseller because where do you go from there? You're building, you're scaffolding a dream, but do it. I mean, there's who's to say that you're not the next, whatever it is you aspire to be. So, and the world needs you to do your work. So do it. Yay. Love that. Um, Julie, you've been so great. So where can people learn more about you? And I'm going to actually ask that not just give us your writing site, but Julie is also the founder of Your Ladders and she helps artists on the business end so that they can be successful in whatever craft. And, And it's so lovely that you've come and talked wearing your writer's hat today, but for anyone out there who is an artist and wants that, give us both places to find you. 
So um, thank you so much, Michelle. And I really love talking about this part of my life. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, my writing uh, blog is jhauthors.com. Um, again, all my names are JH names, and I have three different series out there. Um, so jhauthors.com. And then Your Ladders is my online school, and it's yourladders.com. This has been such a joy. I love your work. You're so wonderful, Julie. Really, it's been so great getting to know you. And um, thank you for everything you've shared today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Thanks, Julie. Wow, I learned so many new things today, and I hope that you did as well. Julie and I both feel so passionately that if you feel called to write, that you should do your art, make a commitment to it. If you can't get an agent, you can always self-publish. I did an episode of that, episode number five. And if you want to learn more about a writer's life and how one woman went from being a self-published author to a New York Times bestseller, then check out episode number one with Lisa Genova, the New York Times bestselling author of Still Alice. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope that you'll share this episode with anyone who needs some encouragement to do their art. I'll look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.